Brogan. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It seems that Israel is raising a noise in anticipation for Rosh Hashanah which will take place September 25th. They are now in a period of time, a month, a month of preparation for the beginning of what are called the Days of Awe. But those Days of Awe begin with Rosh Hashanah, the start of the year, the Jewish New Year, so to speak, and it is called in the Bible, Yom Teruah. Yom Teruah, a day of shouting or blasting, is the first of the Jewish high holy days, and it always occurs in the late summer or early fall. And it is a two-day observance and celebration that begins on the first day of the month of Tishri, which is the seventh month of the ecclesiastical year there in Israel. And... It includes the sounding of a shofar, that is, a cleaned-out ram's horn. By the way, you don't want to stick your nose deep into the ram's horn because the the, uh, odor is not pleasant. But it's prescribed by the Torah, and following the prescription of the Hebrew Bible to raise a noise on Yom Teruah, to raise a noise, and that's exactly what's happening. It's happening in anticipation of Yom Teruah. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to see how what's taking place in Israel is something, well, from Israel's viewpoint, from the Jewish people's viewpoint, something new, something special, something that is increasing the sense of anticipation, of unity, of uh, a sense of calling, Uh, to the Jewish people, not only in Israel, but around the world. One deals with what is called the Zionist Spirit Party, which happens to be a political party, a new, just-being-born political party there in Israel that had its formation on July 27th. Right now, it's just trying to gain a position there so that it can be part of the electoral scene coming up. It's very nearing the tipping point, but many are looking to this particular political expression, the Zionist Spirit Party. Note the name, the Zionist Spirit Party. It's about the spirit, and that's what makes it unusual. It's not just about politics. It's about something bigger. But there's something else that caught my attention. From Israel National News was this headline, A New Awakening for Jews in Israel and Around the World. A new awakening? There hasn't been much of an awakening for a long, long time, other than perhaps the rebirth of the nation in 1948. But other than that, things have been 
well, kind of back and forth and upside down and uh, a lot of chaos, a lot of consternation, a lot of resistance by the world <clears throat> and by the uh, Arabs. And so it's been a very, very difficult thing for Israel since 1948, as it was all the way back to the beginning. But now the headline reads, A New Awakening for Jews in Israel and Around the World. Why would there be a new awakening? Let me, let me linger, let that question, that rhetorical question, linger out there for your mind. A new awakening. Why would there be a new awakening for Jews in Israel and around the world? To what might that be connected? Is it connected to anything? Well, whenever there's some sort of an awakening, it is connected to something. The question is, what is it connected to? And here on Viewpoint, one of the things that we do is connect the dots. And so we're going to connect those dots here on the program today. Then, as we learned last week from Israel National News, there's also the view that the world is leaving Israel on its own. In other words, Israel is becoming more and more isolated. And here, Israel becoming more and more isolated, particularly with regard to the issue of Iran, and now there's a new awakening for Jews in Israel and around the world about something else. <coughs> How are we to understand this? Are we entering a new era in the history of Jewish settlement of the land of Israel? According to this article, the answer is clear. There is an awakening such as we have not seen in many years. Again, the question is why? It's not what, it's not who, it's not even where, the issue is why. And that's what we point out here on this program. This awakening began on the 21st of the Jewish month of Tammuz, July 20th. Now, this is a very short period of time. July 20th, August 20th, and now we're entering the end of the month of August just a little over a month. But tens of thousands of people packed their tents and families and went up to numerous locations simultaneously demanding from the government of Israel the establishment of new Jewish communities throughout Judea and Samaria. Hmm, Judea and Samaria. What was it that Jesus said <coughs> instructions to his disciples? He said, I want you to preach the gospel to the kingdom first in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then in Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. First in Jerusalem, then in Judea, the whole area surrounding Jerusalem, and then in Samaria, which is the northern part of Israel as we understand it, where the ten northern tribes had their capital, and then from there to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, what is being discussed here is this sense that there is a movement among the people, something 
that is capturing their attention, their imagination, and provoking them to act. Since July 20th, they have been organizing and conducting daily public activities at various locations in Judea and Samaria. There are hundreds of activists throughout Israel who are organizing local chapters of supporters. But what is it about? Supporters for what? Well, it's about opening Israel to its fullest extent, rebuilding and settling the land of Israel. Now, where might that connect in the context of biblical prophecy? We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint because it has everything to do with preparation for the Messiah. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. A new awakening for Jews in Israel and around the world? That's what we want to focus on here today on Viewpoint and why that might be. And does it even connect with you and with me? Does it have anything to do with the Gentile world? I believe it does. In fact, it has profound significance for the Gentile world. Because the message goes first to the Jews and then to the Greeks or the Gentiles. Even the Apostle Paul reinforced that. So let's go back, for instance, to the book of Jeremiah. My wife and I just finished reading the book of Jeremiah together in the mornings. And it's not exactly the kind of book that you read for meditation and a personal exhortation and so on. So it was almost a wonder that my wife uh, seemed to appreciate, in a very significant way, reading through the book of Jeremiah. Well, one of the things that she saw in particular was that the descriptions of what God was dealing with through Jeremiah with Israel and with Judah were almost identical to the issues that he's dealing with us in America about. Yes, even professing Christians. That we have exactly the same attitudes, exactly the same spirit of rebellion, exactly the same kind of uh, general issues and orientation that caused God to bring warning from Jeremiah to Israel and Judah. We have these right here in our country. And so my wife was continually making reference analogies to what we see happening in the church in America and what God saw happening in Israel. But one of the things that Jeremiah says, amid all of the warnings, (coughs) all of the uh, prophetic 
well, serious implications of judgment on Israel and on Judah. He then says that he's going to bring them back. He's going to disperse them just as he warned that he would do in Deuteronomy 28 if they would disobey his word, will, and ways. And then also in Leviticus 26, he says the same thing. But then after this dispersal, dispersion throughout the world, first with the ten northern tribes, with the attack of the Assyrians, and then ultimately with Judah, with the attack of Babylon, and then in 70 AD with the attack of the Roman Empire to destroy Jerusalem. But Jeremiah says that God is going to bring the people back. All of these people that have been judged because God was not going to put up with their rebellion, he wasn't going to put up with their idolatry, he wasn't going to put up with their uh, reprobate minds toward his word, his will, and his ways. But then God, in his ultimate compassion, was going to bring them back. And in bringing them back, he would do go to great efforts to do so. For instance, Jeremiah says he will send out hunters and fishers. In other words, there are those that are going to take affirmative action to make sure that the people get brought back. Now, it all seems rather strange because God has dispersed these people, some for 2,500 years. But he's going to accomplish his word because, and here's the reason, because God's word is his bond. And when God speaks, things happen. He keeps his word whether we do or not. So he entered into a covenant with Abraham, reaffirmed it in Isaac, and reconfirmed it in Jacob. In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, and I give you this land. He gave them an eternal leasehold in the land that we now refer to as the land of Israel, that they once referred to as the land of promise, and that had previously been referred to as the land of Canaan. Now, we're looking at history 3,500 years later, and God is still God. You see, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day, and so he is now in the process of fulfilling that which he said he was going to do. He is keeping his word, even if it means only with a surviving remnant. Now, let's take a look at this new awakening for Jews in Israel. We have to look at it from their viewpoint, because they don't necessarily see it in a spiritual way. It's kind of a mixed bag. They see it as a cultural thing. They see it as a um, a generational thing. They see it as a people group, and then they also see it as a spiritual thing. It's all mixed up. So this awakening 
began on the 21st of the Jewish month of Tammuz, July 20th. Tens of thousands of people packed their tents and families and went up to numerous locations simultaneously, all at the same time, demanding from the government of Israel the establishment of new Jewish communities throughout Judea and Samaria, which they had been frustrated from doing because of fear of the government. Just like fear in the United States of America and our government has kept us from doing a lot of things that we should have done. Now, since that day, July 20th, they've been organizing groups, hundreds of activists throughout Israel are organizing local chapters of supporters in a practical way to help bring this about. (coughs) Excuse me. By the way, I am recovering uh, from COVID. The cough is lessening. I'm becoming stronger. My endurance is increasing, and I'm grateful for that. So please be patient with me. On Tish B'Av, the 9th of Av, hundreds of people were in various locations to conduct the traditional lamentations about the destruction of the temple. But this year, the mourning for the destruction of the holy temples was accompanied by positive feelings over the steps that they're taking in rebuilding and settling the land of Israel. This is a change of spirit. This is a change of mind. This is a change of orientation. This is a change that seems to be indicating that something bigger is about to happen. The question is, what is that something bigger that is about to happen? So let me ask you a question. What do you think would be essential to happen before the Messiah comes? Before Messiah comes, what would need to happen? Some people would say, well, there's nothing that needs to happen. I disagree profoundly. The Bible says there are many things that need to happen. One of the things that needs to happen is the Jewish people that have been dispersed throughout the earth have to be returned, restored, make Aliyah, go up to the land of Israel that was promised to them through Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It has to happen. It has not happened other than in ways that we historically understand from 1948 when Israel became officially a nation, and uh, we see things growing now. There are 8 million, what is it, almost 8 million Jews now in Israel which is more than the total of all Jews dispersed throughout the earth now. So we see that that's been taking place. No question about it. But something more dramatic has to take place. There has to be a drawing from throughout the world. And that really has not happened, other than through uh, forces like uh, the pogroms in Russia and so on. Those kinds of things and economic disasters and so on that brought the people from Argentina and other places over the years. But something further has to happen. 
There has to be a stirring in their minds and in their hearts that will create an environment that begins to draw the Jewish people from throughout the world. That is what this tells me. A new awakening for Jews in Israel and around the world. So, members of the Knesset from the Likud, the Religious Zionism Party, and other right-wing parties are in constant contact with these folks, fully aware of the danger that Arab illegal building activities is posing, and they support the efforts to put an end to it. So it's putting an end to Arab illegal building on Jewish land, and at the same time, in a positive way, saying, look, we need to take back the land. God gave it to us. Now's the time. But why is now the time? That's the question. And I believe it's because it's preparation for the coming of Messiah. It's preparation for the coming of Messiah. It must happen. It must happen. It is happening. And this is hot news today. Now, this matter of Messiah is much bigger than you think. We think of Messiah, yeah, okay, that's great. Uh, Jesus is Messiah, and uh, that's wonderful, and someday he's coming again. All that is kind of simplistic thinking. It doesn't have within it the total expectation of the greatest event that will soon come upon the planet. And that is the appearance of Messiah. The unveiling of the mystery of the ages in Messiah. And that's why I wrote the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Because I tell you, friend, as you begin to read that book, you will realize that every opportunity, every effort, every mind and heart set throughout the world is working to create an alternative Messiah. That's why it's also seemingly mysterious. And yet the Bible tells us there is a Messiah who is the Messiah, and he's coming. But humankind can't can't bear with that. They want to create their own. And Israel's going to have to struggle with that, even as the Jewish people are now being awakened, their full awakening is not to Messiah. It's to preparatory events related to Messiah. Will they make the connection? Will you even make the connection? That's the issue. Will we connect the dots? From God's viewpoint. So here's the book, Messiah. Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. $22 is yours. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 
1-800-SAVE-USA. It's on the website, saveus.org. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get the book in your hands. Now, preparatory to that is the need to understand <coughs> excuse me, that there is a counterfeit that is also being prepared that will seduce the majority of the world. His name is Antichrist. So I wrote the book Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. It also is $22. On our website, saveus.org, if you order them together, instead of uh, $5 each postage and handling, they'd just be $7 for the two of them. Uh, Take advantage of this opportunity. This is the material. This is the information that will change your life world. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. It should energize and be exciting to Gentile followers, believers in Jesus Christ, to know and realize that there is a stirring, some sort of an awakening among the Jewish people in Israel and around the world. Now, it may not be the kind of awakening you would hope for where their minds and their hearts are uh, being dramatically open to Yeshua as Messiah. But be thankful for an awakening because the people have to be drawn back to the covenant land. And God said they would be. A variety of the prophets said they would be. The prophet Isaiah said they would be. So, God made it clear, notwithstanding all of his warnings and judgments and so on upon Israel and upon Judah, he made it clear that the end of the age, just before the coming of the just one, he would show himself just by bringing the people back to keep his word. Now, true, it's only going to be a relative remnant of all the Jews that have lived on the planet since Abraham. But by the same token, by the way, lest you should think otherwise, the majority of people who profess to be followers of Christ probably are not going to be part of the remnant that is ultimately saved. 
because they're going to be deceived. They're going to be seduced by the Antichrist. That's why all the warnings of Scripture are to professing believers, not to unbelievers. Because unbelievers, Jesus said, are condemned already. You can read it there in John chapter 3. So let's go back and take a look at this awakening. They say our goal is the continuation of the Zionist pioneering spirit and movement. Jewish communities throughout the world are looking to the leadership of Israel. They want to see the continued realization of our national aspirations in redeeming our land. So the awakening which started on the 21st of Tammuz, July 20th, is having an impact on public discourse in Israel today. A number of right-wing members of the Knesset have signed a document proclaiming their loyalty to the land of Israel as well as their obligation to work towards the establishment of new Jewish communities. Now, we move from there to an even bigger deal. This came today, or yesterday, is from Israel National News. The place, God's choice, and ours. Now, actually, it was a podcast, but I'm going to just take the distillation from this and uh, help us to understand where things stand in the viewpoint of the Jewish people in Israel. Moses reveals his vision of the Holy Temple, calling it, quote, the place which Hashem, your God, will choose. Yes, that's what he said. The place which the Lord your God or Hashem your God will choose. But, says this article, it's our choice also, isn't it? In other words, if God chooses, then we should choose. He says it's up to us today to choose to roll up our sleeves and make it happen. In other words, be a participant in what God has declared. So they conclude by saying this upcoming Shabbat, Sabbath, beginning the month-long process of soul-searching and preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is the beginning of a month of focus to prepare for the days of awe at a time when there is this sense of awakening among the Jews in Israel and around the world. Now, you may not sense it, but they do. When they say it's not just in Israel, but it's around the world, that's a big deal. Because in reality, the Jewish people around the world have not had much of a connection in mind, heart, or spirit to the land of Israel especially those in America. And that creates a problem. Because if there is division among the Jewish people, those in Israel and those uh, in the dispersion or diaspora around the world, 
then how are they going to come together? How are they going to fulfill what God, through his prophets, declared was going to take place? Obviously, there has to be a change. Now, some of that change is going to take place through uh, situations that have arisen, such as the terrible economic downturn in Argentina that just basically left the Jewish people there saying, what's the use of staying here? Let's go to Israel. Now, some of that has taken place in Europe, in France, in the U.K., in Germany, where anti-Semitism has arisen so dramatically that many Jewish people have been warned and just said, you know, it's time to get out of here, or you may not ever be able to get out. So take this opportunity. Or it might be like the pogroms that were taking place in Russia that were seriously impinging upon the Jewish people, and they said, we're out of here. So a million Jews were airlifted out of Russia. God said they would come first from the north. He did. Jeremiah tells us that they would first come from the north, and that's what they did. So this is the bigger picture. This is the historic picture. But now we look at the prophetic picture. What's going on? Why is this happening? And why is it happening now? I am convinced. I'm not going to give you a thus saith the Lord. I'm going to tell you I am convinced that the reason is Messiah is going to be coming soon. (coughs) Now let's suppose that that's the case. And soon, by the way, doesn't mean next week. It might mean five years from now. It might be ten years from now. I don't know. But the bigger issue is, are you ready for the coming of Messiah? You see, all of these dots have to be connected. It's not just about facts out there. It's not just about interest features out there that are taking place uh, before our eyes. It's about you and me. It's not just about the Jewish people. It's about you and me. So when the prophet Malachi says, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, who you say you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. But, now this is what we need to look at, but who shall abide the day of his coming? And who's going to be able to stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I came not to bring peace on the earth, but fire. In other words, he came to purify. Yes, he is the prince of peace, 
but his primary job was to purify and bring the government of God to purify the earth so there would be peace and goodwill toward men. Therefore, the question hovers over our minds and hearts should hover hover over the mind and heart of every pastor, every parachurch leader, every broadcaster, every author, everyone who professes the name of Christ in America and around the world. If Jesus as Messiah should show up today, would I be ready? Now, if you've been preaching a doctrine that says, well, if you just once made a confession of Christ sometime, uh, you're ready. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but you may not be ready. Because the Apostle John said, remember, he was the beloved Apostle, he said, whoever has this hope of the second coming of Christ in him will purify himself even as Christ is pure. In other words, there has to be a preparation a repentance, there has to be a coming clean because only those who come with clean hands and a pure heart are going to be able to ascend to the hill of the Lord. You see, it ties the whole Bible together. Now, this is not a matter of trying to strike fear into people other than the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and to them only will he show or reveal his covenant. That's why I wrote the book, by the way, The Secret of the Lord. It's about helping Christians, professing Christians to understand what we've been missing in our teaching so that we can properly prepare our lives so that you as a parent and as a grandparent can properly prepare the life of your kids and grandkids. So that pastors will have a tool in their hands to help and assist their people in recovering something that has been lost for 50, 60 years in our nation and in our church. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. One of the interesting things as we look at the development, this announcement today, 
of a new awakening for Jews in Israel and around the world, one of the com, uh, commensurate or corresponding or corollary aspects to that is the rebuilding of the temple. When the scripture says the Lord himself will suddenly come to his temple, what does that mean? Some people will say, they'll spiritualize it, and they'll say, well, since the Lord doesn't live in temple made with hands, it must mean something else, so he's going to come to those who believe in his name and so on. Well, I can understand why they say that, but the problem is that God never did live in temples made with hands. Yet he instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, and he instructed uh, Solomon how to build the first temple, and then there was a second temple built that Jesus came to just before his crucifixion and says, called it his house. So there's a problem with our thinking, and sometimes we tend to spiritualize something too much, and in so doing, actually eliminate some of the most powerful implications of prophecy for our time. So along with this new awakening comes a new inspiration for rebuilding the temple. And that's exactly what the other article from Israel National News Today said. The place, God's choice and ours, Moses revealed his vision of the holy temple, calling it the place which Hashem, your God, will choose, But our choice also, isn't it? (coughs) In other words, what they're saying is, look, it is God's temple, but it's not there. So what should we do, if anything? Should we then become activated in some way for the rebuilding of the temple? Now, I'm not going to tell you here, thus saith the Lord, as to exactly how that's going to happen. On the other hand, what I will say is that I do believe that the counterfeit Christ figure, the Antichrist, will seize upon that expectation and attempt to prove his messiahship by assisting the Jewish people in building a temple. The expectation is growing. And you know what happens with human beings. <clears throat> you know how you are. Your emotions get a, get a hold of you and carry you to do things, to embrace things that perhaps you shouldn't do. The same thing is going to happen with the Jewish people. Jesus said to them, I came unto you in my Father's name, and you didn't receive me. But there is one coming in his own name, and him you will receive. Jesus said it right outright. So there's going to be an Antichrist figure that will precede the coming of Messiah. His, this Antichrist figure appearance will be so overwhelming will be seen as such a blessing, such a message of hope temporarily for the world. And for the Jewish people, 
that the majority on the planet will be sucked in by it, seduced. That's why all the warnings of the Bible concerning the Antichrist and the deception and so on are to professing believers, not unbelievers. They're deceived already. (coughs) So, people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon, we don't know how soon, we'll be coming home. So, aren't you glad that we have this season to prepare? Aren't you glad that the likelihood he's not coming tomorrow, but he could come next week? So you can get ready. Parents, you can take positive steps in your own life and then begin to apply those in your children's lives so that you're not playing the American religious game any longer. You're coming out of the spirit of Babylon that has enveloped the world. God says, come out of her, my people. So you're going to come out of that spirit, and you're going to be able to take seriously seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Isn't that what Jesus said to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you? Why do you think we're here on the air? Is it here to just inform of different pieces of information so people can say, did you hear what I heard? No, it's about transformation. It's about life change to prepare the way of the Lord. And we do it in so many different ways. People say you cannot listen to viewpoint long and and not be changed. Some people say, well, I don't want to hear that anymore. Okay, you made your choice. Other people will say, you know what? I have not heard anything like this. This sounds like real truth to me. And they begin to walk in it, and their life changes. So I would urge you, there's a reason why these books were written in the order in which they were written. First, Antichrist. By the way, first, King of the Mountain, the epic, eternal, and end-time battle. That helps you to understand the greater geopolitical war that is going on and is going to continue to go on. The context in which all of these things are going to take place, in which the Antichrist himself will appear. Then you have the book Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. Then you have the book Messiah. Helping us to understand who he is, and why there is going to be such massive deception as to who he is. And the rejection is going to be beyond imagination. And you don't want to be caught up in it. There's a reason why the Bible warns. Jesus warned about deception. The Apostle Paul warned even the more so about deception. He warned about the deception coming to believers. You don't want to be caught in that. These messages are messages of love and compassion 
and long-suffering and patience from the Lord. $22 will put each of those books in your hands. Messiah and Antichrist. Messiah and Antichrist. They're on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. $5 for postage and handling. We'll put either one of the books. If you want both of them together, it'll be $7 postage and handling for the two. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. But you read it slowly. They're not novels. Oh, you may think some of it is sort of novel. It seems that way. I mean, the deceiver is so clever that he finds ways to deceive just about everybody in novel ways. All right. Again, from Israel National News. Last week, the headline, World Leaving Us on Our Own Against Iran. The head of the Protectors of Israel movement of high-ranking officers, commanders, and IDF fighters research department says Iran is inching closer to a nuclear outbreak while the world community would prefer to turn a blind eye to the threat in order to appease the Ayatollahs while profiting in the financial and other spheres, leaving Israel alone in the fight with Iran. According to uh, the IAE's assessment, Iran is about two weeks from having enough enriched uranium for a first nuclear weapon. From there to the 90% level which is needed for producing nuclear weapons on the whole, the timeline is much shorter. Today they have advanced centrifuges that can enrich 10 times more than in the past years. So what's, what's going on here? Why are the nations playing footsie with Iran? The reality is, friends, they don't much love Israel. I don't care what they say. I don't care what Joe Biden says when he says we're unadulteratedly committed to the support and security of Israel. It's just not true. (coughs) If it were true, he would not be trying to sacrifice that security through a deal with Iran wouldn't be doing it. The nations have no love affair with Israel, and Israel is being cast out from among the nations in this final existential moment, just as the prophet Balaam said in Numbers chapter 24, when at the end of his prophecy, He said, I saw all Israel alone on the mountains, and Israel will never be reckoned among the nations. That doesn't mean Israel doesn't want to be reckoned among the nations. You see, America shouldn't be wanting to be reckoned among the nations either. America should have kept herself separate. Even our first president said so. Don't get involved in these entanglements with other nations around the world. Keep yourself separate. 
but we didn't listen. Israel hasn't listened. Both of us covenant nations, one a Jewish covenant nation, the other a Gentile covenant nation, and we both have been seduced by the same lust for acceptance and power among the nations. God said, you didn't need that. I gave it to you. We said, no, but we want more. We lusted for more. We lusted for more power, more perks, more position, more acceptance, more love. And what do you get? A slap in the face, a kick in the rear. Rejection. Both Israel and America are experiencing exactly the same thing. And neither nation seems to get it. So God says, I conclude both Jew and Gentile in unrighteousness. And so, Messiah is coming. He's coming for both Jew and Gentile who will, from the heart, embrace him as the only Savior, the only Redeemer, the only hope for salvation, the only hope for eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father but by me. Not by religious theories, but by me. Was he right or not? If he was right, then we want to be right with him, don't we? Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. Again, don't forget the books uh, Messiah and uh, King of the Mountain and Antichrist. (coughs) They truly are life-changing books. Informative, yes, but transformative. On our website, saveus.org. And can I urge you to join with us truly as a genuine partner in this enterprise to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. That's what we're doing. Does it have the ring of truth to you? Then why don't you ask the Lord, should I join with these folk in getting this message out? And then ask the Lord. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.